And welcome, everybody, to another edition of Podcast Quincy. And this program is called City View with Mayor Tom Koch. Mayor Tom Koch updating you with what's happening in the City of Presidents from week to week. And welcome, Mayor Koch. Hello, Mark. How are you? I'm doing just fine, thank you. Well, today, on the day just of the came work... A, just came across the street from a great ribbon cutting. Did you? Uh, yes. What was that? Laurie Scott. Um, she's opening up a, a yoga program for veterans. Uh, That's great. So each Wednesday evening, President's Place is donating the space. She's donating her time. You know, some of the veterans that come back, they have some struggles, and uh, and this is another way, another avenue for them to, to work through things. So it's oh, a fantastic. great program. Her, her grandfather was there. Uh, Charlie Santoro, who uh, was a World War II vet. He's 94 years old. Wow. He's in the Navy. So it was a great event. You know, it's funny that there's not so many around anymore of these World War II vets. No, you know? That's for sure. My grandfather yeah. was a World War I guy, and uh, he was really old when I was younger, but he was one of the last, you know. Yeah, sure. Amazing. Sure. But that's great. So when it comes time for uh, yoga for city employees, I will I will be out of the town. For yeah, a week. me too. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, I think I look pretty good in spandex. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that at all. <laughs> but I'm going to say that today is the first day of spring, uh, which is on great. the calendar. On the calendar, yes. but it's you know the day that we're recording this. It's day one of spring, and it's a beautiful day out. And it looks like it's going to be at least a, a nice day over the next few days. So that's we'll take it. Uh, with that being said, let's let's move on to the more pressing issue. It's happening to the city of Quincy right now where the, the Environmental Protection Agency, a federal arm of the government, has uh, decided to file suit against the city of Quincy. Now, you've opened this up at a press conference. I think we explained it really well, but that was the abbreviated version. You did a really good job of, of doing it at the, at the city council the other night, and we got that on video. We will put that out there on all of our social media at the city of Quincy, um, uh, cityofquincy.gov, and all of our Facebook Twitter and everything else, you'll be able to find it there as well by the end of the week. But, Mayor, this is another way of doing it on our podcast, our brand new podcast still, um, to talk about what this was. By the way, I ran into somebody the other night that says they listened to the podcast. Oh, great. Good. I said, wow, we found one. Yeah, it's the fastest growing form of media in the world right now. So interesting. And I I think there's only one other mayor doing it in in the state of Massachusetts. So, um, uh, this is uh, just another way of getting out there. Sure, so, sure. Again, no, I, we appreciate that. So, Mayor, uh, why don't you fill us in on, on the EPA details and on that lawsuit and on your thoughts? Yeah, I'll try to do it uh, as best I can in summary form on the show because it's, uh, you know, we could spend hours on this subject. Um, you know, I, I kiddingly say, but I am somewhat serious when we talk about um, the fourth branch of, branch of government. I, you know, we grew up with, we knew of three branches, the executive, the judicial, and the legislative, you know, and I think there's a fourth branch of government, that's bureaucracy. <laughs> and the EPA is a perfect example of that bureaucracy. These are, these are folks, um, bureaucrats who aren't elected, unaccountable, don't answer to anybody, uh, making or forcing decisions down communities' throats uh, with the arm of the federal government. And so, first of all, I think it's outrageous. The, the EPA's role should be partnering with, communities not shouldn't be punitive and uh so I, i'm I, you know i'm I'm not happy obviously with what's come down but just to give some background for for people um there's, there's we have two separate systems uh infrastructure wise and all of our systems are old we're an old city um so our pipes are well over 100 years old so we have a sewer system that is completely closed and and uh, it gets treated out at uh, Nut Island, then to Dare Island. So the sewer system is not an issue unless you have a break in the sewer system. Then it becomes an issue. Uh, it, you know what what really made me angry was this feeling or, or uh, discussion out there that the city of Quincy is dumping raw sewage into the bay. That's crazy. It couldn't be anything further from the truth. 
So first of all, when something happens and we're made aware of it, we fix it immediately. Uh, so the source system is one piece. An example of that would, I'll give you two examples. We had a base eight, uh, Bayside Road in Squanum, which is Abatza Beach. I was reported to us by the EPA that they had some high counts out there. We found we had a direct pipe leak from the sewer line. We went in and we fixed that pipe, replaced it, and then we went into that neighborhood and relined all of the sewer lines in that particular neighborhood. So that was a public piece of pipe. In another instance, um, I don't know if folks are familiar with the Quincy Commons, uh, owned by the Corcoran Management Company. It's down on French Street, Arnold Road, North Quincy. It used to be the old White Brothers Milk Plant. It's it's quite a good-sized apartment complex. We were getting high counts in the storm drain system. Now, the storm drain system is those catch basins you see along the street. There's more than 9,000 of them in Quincy. And our storm drain system collects the water, and then it goes out through 157 different outfall pipes into the rivers in the ocean. So, you know, you can only imagine what can get into a, a catch basin in the storm drain system. There's no direct dumping of anything. But things happen. And so what happened at the Quincy Commons site in the uh, investigative work by DPW, that we're backtracking back, why do we have some high counts out in the water in this area? So they followed the system back. What they found was a, a major break in a sewer line under the building of Quincy Commons, okay. a private-owned pipe. Mm. It wasn't backing up into the building, so the landlord didn't know. It, so it was seeping into one of our storm drain pipes. Mm. So therefore, it contaminated and it was raising the After elevation of the counts okay. uh, out into the bay. So w- once we found that, we worked with the landlord and immediately fixed that. I'm just giving these examples to people because things happen. Now, we have to report any time to the EPA, any time there's any kind of an incident or pipe. Some people may have heard the, the term SSOs. That's, that's in the report with the EPA. An SSO um, is when we have a, a sanitary um, sewer overflow. So that could be over in West Quincy, anywhere in the city, where you have somebody flushed down a diaper, for example, and the sewer system backed up into your basement. Or you had roots in your pipe and the sewer line backed up into the basement. Those are reported to the EPA. Now, those things happen every day. In every city, in, in every town, city, in t- that's correct, and we fix those. Now, those that doesn't get into the into the system, but they they re, they make it sound like that's that's you know that's something unique to Quincy and it's it's polluting the harbor. An SSO is an isolated incident where we respond to it and fix it. Even if you had everything brand new, these things happen. You know, a kid flushes a toilet down the, I mean, a a, a say a little train or a toy down the toilet, everything backs up. It it wasn't intentional by anybody, and we go in and we. Uh, remediate and fix the thing right away. So there's, those are a couple of examples. So when these outfalls are out into the, into the bay, around those outfalls, there's times the counts are a little bit higher. Now, some of those counts may be attributed to dog waste washing into the storm drain from the street. Because and a disclaimer right now, we want to make sure you put down that sandwich and don't eat for the next 20 minutes. But go ahead, Mayor. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I won't get that graphic. No, but that's true. Uh, but, a, is- but a reminder to those people that have dogs and walk their dogs, please clean up after your dog because... If you know the the loom border along the side of the road, it gets washed into the gutter and washed into the storm drain. You know, they sometimes they get counts on chemicals that are high. That could be somebody washing their car out in the street and it goes into the storm drain. So mm. th- there's all these uh, potential uh, polluting, contaminating issues that flow into your storm drain system. There's no direct malicious attempt to dump anything into the water. In fact, I don't need the EPA to tell me, as the mayor of the city 
that we want clean water. We've been working at this issue for decades in Quincy. In fact, when we were kids, Mark, you had to fight for a spot on Wallison Beach. We didn't know any better. They didn't do testing in those days. But everybody understood, look, a day, if you have a day of rain, wait for a day for a tide cycle because you, those storm drains are flowing into the bay. Let the tide flush it out in case there's something in there. That's the way it is. Now, right? back back then, you also had the Moon Island vat, vats going. There were a lot of other contaminants. In fact, what, what dumping is, I'll give you a perfect example, is what the Commonwealth of Massachusetts did to the city of Quincy for decades, which was dumping raw surge into Quincy Bay from Nut Island because they, they were lucky to throw a little chlorine in it once in a while. Wow. That's how bad. Now, that was dumping. That was, that's when the city of Quincy said enough under Frank McCauley. Bill Golden, the city solicitor, sued the Commonwealth. It all ended up leading to the MWRA, the creation of the MWRA, because the MDC wasn't funded properly, didn't have the resources to do it appropriately. So they were polluting our waters, killing the marine life. Um, That's dumping. What we have today is no dumping. From time to time, is some kind of an illicit something or other gets in the system, and we deal with it. Now, let me give you a little history, too, by the way, going back to Macaulay, Sheets, Fallon, and this administration. We've done all kinds of improvements. I think the number is about $75 million in our storm and sewer lines over the last few decades. That's a pretty impressive number. That is, yeah. Um, and when you go back a number of years, that, that, that number is really something. Today we spend 6 to $8 million a year on our storm and our sewer lines. Repairs, operations, rehab. Fixing things. We have several pump stations. And something you said even at the at, at your press conference and at the council meeting the other night was of the unbelievable. So you, we brought these down as props, but those are the that's the work over the last ten years that we've been, that you've been doing. Right. We have the best engineers around at the table mm-hmm. working with us, getting projects done each and every year. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's important to us. We 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 want clean water. I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, and we've been chipping away and working. At it. And quite frankly. Quincy Bay is 100 times cleaner than when we swam in it. There's no question about it. In fact, my experience as a park commission at Blacks Creek, that whole area, you know, we were kids, you couldn't see two inches into the water. Now you could, you could see 12, 20 feet down. It's clear. Yeah. So the, the whole harbor cleanup effort has been successful. Now we want to eliminate everything from going on the water. Admirable, I agree, has great merit. Of course. Uh, but it's not easily done. If there was a silver bullet here that would fix this, I would have an appropriation before the council and fix it. Um, now, one could argue, well, there is a silver bullet. You can build a a treatment plant for stormwater or several plants for stormwater, which would cost us probably two to $300 million. That, to me, is not a practical solution right now. Right. Who's going to pay for that? Right. Um, you know, we try to be, um, you know, balance the needs of our residents and the taxpayers. Uh, some of this is funded from the taxpayer, the work. Some is funded by our stormwater uh, enterprise funds, which are paid for by your sewer water bill. So, you know, we get loans from the MWRA. We get low-interest loans from the state to do these repairs. Uh, a couple of years ago, I'll give you an example, a little bit of the opposite, but it, it, it's, it's pertinent to this issue. Uh, Fred Lasky, who's the executive director of, of the MWRA, said, Hey, Mayor, we're treating a lot of seawater in your sewerage, which right away tells us we're getting seawater into the soil line. How? We did a lot of work and found a lot of holes in manholes along the marsh, uh, in certain pipes. So the the, the seawater was getting into the sewerage pipe. So therefore, the charge we were getting from the MWRA was was inflated because they were treating water that didn't need to be treated. Sure. Wow. Now the reverse of that, if the sewer line is is overtaxed, those holes, the sewer stuff, can come out 
and and land obviously into the bay into marsh areas and so forth. So we've spent millions of dollars fixing a number of those we call I and I inflow and infiltration. Uh, issues. So there's been a concerted effort to do that. We in the city have a dedicated fund that developers pay when they come into the city to develop, and that's to the sewer rehab fund. That's used to upgrade our sewer and our drain lines. That's, that's, we use that regularly to do major projects. So this, this, um, there's nothing new here from uh, anybody to suggest that, you know, that we're not doing something we shouldn't be doing. We've been doing this for decades. And the EPA doesn't seem to want to recognize that, which is, which is a little frustrating, uh, quite frankly, Mark. Uh, these issues are complicated. We've been working through them. We have two uh, these days. Uh, there were three different engineering firms. The bulk of the work's done with two now, Wooded and Curran and Ty and Bond, both well-respected in the industry, uh, getting a lot of great work done uh, th- uh, through the improvements. So it's complicated. Um, but we're working at it. And there's been an absolute, complete desire by the administration, and I would suggest my colleagues in government, uh, to do the right thing here. And we have been doing the right thing, and that's what's frustrating. So this does kind of feel like a, and this is why I get your anger, and I think it's coming across really well in the way you're explaining it, but it's like a David and Goliath kind of a thing. And how dare you when we've done so much work? Is that right? And that kind of thing? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, let me flip the coin a little bit here. So we're going to countersue the EPA. Some folks are familiar with Black's Creek. We have tide gates under the Greenberg Bridge that controls the uh, flow of the tide in and out of Black's Creek from Quincy Bay. Now, those gates are there for a major flood control. So some people are familiar maybe a couple of years ago when the area in Marymount, uh, Putnam Street, Lafayette Street, Armory Street, Hudson Street, we had a major storm event, and the gates weren't properly closed, and we had 50 homes get flooded because what happens is the, it backs up, goes up to the storm drains, goes up to the streets, starts going in the cellars and the homes. So first and foremost, the tie gates are there to uh, help us control f- uh, the flooding issues for certain neighborhoods. Furnace Brook comes all the way from West Quincy and drains into Black's Creek. So if Black's Creek is overtaxed before that brook comes down, it will start to back up through West Quincy as well. So first and foremost, the health and safety of our people is, is most important. So we want to get these new tide gates because the current ones can only be open and closed during a dead low tide. So that really restricts us. Restricts us, and what happens is the in, in, in an overcautious way, uh, drainage folks that manage the stuff close them early, and then you can't open them for another at least another tide cycle. So the gates are closed longer, which is, hurts the health of the marsh. So by having the ability to open and close them at any point during a storm or tide would help us tremendously to inc- uh, increase the health of the marsh, right. still protecting the basin in the, in the event of a storm to, to keep people from getting flooded. Well, we applied for permits from the EPA more than five years ago, five years ago. Their first response was, well, you know, we don't like tide gates. Do away with them. Let's have a free flow of, of the ocean. I says, well, immediately 50 homes will get flooded from the first moon tide that we have. They don't care. These bureaucrats don't care, and they don't answer to anybody. I got to go back, and, and you know, I remember that when that flood happened, and, and uh, we, we, we met with the residents, and we made it right as best we possibly could. We let them down. We let them down, and we told them that, and we made it. We fixed it. I remember that, yeah. But, you know, you, you got these, uh, these folks, and look, there's a lot of great people that work in government, and I see them every day at the local level. I'm sure there's a number at the federal level. But when this guy, this guy's name is mentioned in groups around environment, around EPA, everybody rolls their eyes. 
So it's okay that this guy can be so combative uh, and, uh, you know, one-man show that he can just arbitrarily make these kinds of decisions that affect in a community is mind-boggling to mm. me. Mm. I said it kiddingly to former Congressman Delahunt. You, you guys gave your power away, created these bureaucracies. A congressman has to beg for a meeting with the EPA today. It's, it's really outrageous. That's insane. It's outrageous. And, and again, I'm, I'm not suggesting, you know, we should be abusing anything. Uh, we all should be held to a standard. But I don't need the federal government to hold us a standard. Please give me a break. They're the most inefficient level of government. Uh, you know, go back to Flint, Michigan. How about how'd that work out, EPA? That was uh, directly in uh, their involvement. Um, they're the most inefficient form of government. They don't balance their budget. So, you know, when they throw numbers around at us, they don't care. They don't care that it might affect our budget for the schools or the fire or police. So uh, it's it's frustrating. Well, it's homes. very frustrating. So yeah. we're counter-suing. It is my hope that once we have a judge magistrate who starts to put the parties together, that we're going to be able to work through this and mediate this in a reasonable, pragmatic way that will continue to get work done, improve the the, uh, the health of the marsh as well as the cleanliness of the water and that's the other issue the marshes all the work we've been doing on that over the years making healthier marshes and you know the better our tide gates work and the and the and the marshes flush in and out the less apt that the trap to that bacteria and it, it allows to uh, get uh, dissolved if you will the old saying the solution to pollution is dilution um so <laughs> you know that's a great example I, and, and you well, know that's what, what i we, always say we had a couple of years ago we had wellison beach open while there were beaches on nantucket closed because of contamination this stuff happens everywhere mark yeah ha- no. everywhere yeah well you know and thank you very much for explaining it and get uh, just in another way i mean you've been doing this has been sort of a song and dance all week but you have to because it is a very confusing issue when it comes to the social media stuff that we end up putting out there people don't understand the, what the issue is some people don't sure. and some of the haters are just going to hate well, and some of the things I mean, that were said on social media everybody everybody's media. entitled to an opinion absolutely of course but but the reality is and i say this and i've said this knocking doors of people we may disagree on policy and we all have different opinions but we all should be in agreement on the facts. So yes. I want to make sure we get the facts out so people understand the issue. And thank you for giving us those facts. And just to check in, I was I double checked before I came in here, checked with constituent services and how many calls you've received on this issue and uh, against, and that's been zero. So most people, I think, understand and believe what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So, and that's when I think the rubber hits the road if they're going to really. I give complain. you another quick example. Anybody can talk to another a quick screen. example. Yes, tide gate. Uh, we're looking to get a tide gate installed in a culvert under the State Street, so the Montclair marshes. They go out to the Neponset River and, and kind of drain in that direction. We want to get a tide gate at the end of the culvert to hold the tide back when we have some major rain events. FEMA awarded us $930,000 to do it. EPA said you can't do it because you might affect the winter flounder. No one has seen a winter flounder in the Neponset River in 50 years. This is the kind of stuff we're dealing with. These, these, these projects help protect homes and the viability of, of a marsh as well. So it's uh, And that's good to, to let folks know where you're at with it, and, and thank you very much for updating us. So with the time that we have left, we have you know five, ten minutes to talk about briefly. One more issue we wanted to bring up, uh, something good that happened. We've updated the security measures at the school, at the Quincy Public Schools. So talk a little bit about that. Sure, this has been an ongoing effort, um, and I know that my colleagues in the school committee, each of them share the same interest. Uh, the superintendent's been a leader on it, and his team, leadership team, and that is the safety and security of our children in our schools. We spent a lot of money building new schools, renovating uh, older schools, but the safety of our kids is imperative, obviously. So a number of years ago, actually, I got a petition from some parents at Montclair School asking them, asking us 
to do a pilot program to put locks in the classrooms. Now, a lot of the old buildings in in a city didn't have locks in the classrooms, and we saw what happened in Connecticut and other places when doors aren't locked. Mm. If, if you get an intruder in a building and they have easy access, that's a problem. So I said, you know, we're not doing a pilot program. We're going to do it, and we're going to do it citywide. So we we appropriated and spent uh, over $500,000 a number of years ago upgrade all the buildings, put new locks in all the classrooms, create a system at every front door so that anyone from the public has to go to the front door, press a button, they're on camera, and be allowed into the building. And all our staff, uh, teachers and staff, are, all have special fobs that they can get into a different entrance as an employee of the building. So that was the major first start. And then over the last several years, we've been putting cameras in in different angles outside the building, around the building, in corridors, uh, and in fact, we just uh, appropriating another sixty to eighty thousand to do more of those. This last piece, uh, the police chief and the superintendent came to me, said there's some grant opportunities at the uh, state's homeland security level to do uh, what we could call emergency buttons, uh, a panic and, button and the panic button. So this allows us to have panic buttons in the schools. So it, a, a teller at a bank, for example, has those as well. So if, if you get somebody come in the building, you know something is off and there's a problem, if you picked up your cell phone to make a call, that could create a reaction that we don't want to have happen, right? right? Uh, that's just one example. There's a, mon- there's a number of examples. So this person, without anyone to know, could hit a button in strategic locations in the building, a direct line to the police department to tell the police department we got a problem in our school, uh, and by the time the police get there, hopefully there's a lot more known about it. But it saves that time. First of all, you got to make the call, right? Right. You know, you're waiting for someone to pick up. Usually on the other end, they're asking questions about the incidents. And if you so, call 911, it's state police first, the, right? Yeah, you get all those to get issues to deal with. So yeah, this yeah. is a direct uh, button. So every every school in the city uh, will have one of these, uh, several of these actually. Uh, each of the high schools, because the bigger, build, bigger buildings will have more of them. Uh, so it's another measure uh, for the security of our kids in our schools. Thankfully, we don't have the problems we haven't seen the problems in Massachusetts like other states. And one of the reasons, I think, is we have really responsible gun laws in Massachusetts. Yeah, for sure. That helps. Mm. Well, that's great. I mean, we appreciate that. It's never just one thing. It's many things. Like you said, the locks were probably a major, a major deal. They that. were. You know, yeah. you don't think about that. But a lot of our buildings were over 100 years old. They yeah. didn't put locks in classrooms in those days. Right. Yeah. I, I was at, I was at uh, Sterling, Lincoln, and Central yesterday. And to get in, it's, you know, it's a process to get into the school, yeah. have to go to yeah. right to the office. So it, that's a good thing. It is that's a good really thing. Good it's supposed thing. to be that way. Our children, right. That's right. Thank you very much for updating us on that school issue. But uh, also, Mayor, I guess with the time that we do have left, we had two major fires um, in the city of Quincy in the past in the past seven or eight days. Yeah, I think I, you know we we did one uh, one in Wallace and one in West Quincy. Uh, both were d- tough fires. Uh, the the beauty is the there were no loss of life, very minimal injury. Um, but it reminds us. I mean, we we don't have the fires we used to have many years ago through right. a lot of reasons, but. Um, you know, it's still a tough job, uh, and these guys put it on the line every day. So Chief Gadig and his team, the firefighters, did an excellent job at both locations. They they literally saved an apartment building next to the uh, the building uh, that burned on Newport Avenue. Um, how they attacked that fire and took care of things, knocked it down, uh, remarkable work. So I just want to thank uh, all our firefighters. And, of course, others get involved. The police Show up, they're helpful. They're trying to control traffic and deal with that. Public Works comes in because there's infrastructure issues with the water lines and hydrants. So everyone comes together uh, in an emergency like that. So I want to thank everybody involved, the great work they did. 
And one of your new initiatives, too, which we'll talk about at another time, but I got to experience briefly uh, at the DPW where we've been able to sort of circumvent the firefighters can have control, emergency uh, personnel can have, have control, emergency responders of the lights, of the traffic lights. They're able to, in their car, flick the light to green you know, half a mile before it gets there, which cuts down on the time to get to the fire. That's too. exactly right. Response time is huge. Yeah. That's very important. Well, I know that's all That's all still in the works and that's almost done, but that's going to be is. a major it's another, it's another great tool for the for our public safety folks. Sure. Well, yeah. thanks, Mayor. Uh, Thank we you, appreciate Mark. it. Thank you very much for coming. And folks, listen to uh, Podcast Quincy. All of our episodes are up there and uh, they're archived. You can, this is, I think, episode five or six. And it's six, I think. It's our sixth episode. So we urge you to share it, to subscribe to whether it's Google Play Store or whether it's iTunes or wherever you find your podcast. Please find Podcast Quincy and uh, share it with, uh, with your friends. Thanks, Mayor. Thanks.